Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Awesome. Open your Bibles. We're going to look at this. You got your Bible? No one? Awesome. Um, I'll read. It's going to come on the screen in, uh, in uh, Genesis. And uh, Genesis 37. <clears throat> I'm going to read real quick two verses. Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. These few verses begin the story of the life of Joseph or a story of a part of the life of Joseph, really the rise of Joseph, it begins with these two verses. The reason why I started with these two verses is it shows us how simple and it shows us how basic the beginning of Joseph's life was. This dude, when you look at it, he's not a king. He doesn't have anything great upon him. The Bible simply said later on that he was favoured by his father because he was a son of his father's old age, the Bible says. But he was a 17-year-old teenage kid. And in this story, he's, he's ratting on his brother's. The Bible puts it nicely. It says that Joseph brought a bad report of his brothers to his father. That means he's a bit of a rat. He's a bit of a, a telltale, as we, we would say it. He's, he's a punk 17-year-old kid, just a young brother, nothing huge upon his life, nothing, nothing great, not necessarily. In fact, it says that his father was a, was a stranger in the land, not a huge amount of influence, just doing his thing as a kid. But then I want to read you these few next verses. Excuse me, in Genesis 41, verse 40. This is Pharaoh now. And this is Pharaoh who is over the whole land of Egypt. This is Pharaoh speaking to this same kid that we were just reading about. But this is 13 years later. Pharaoh says to him, you shall be over my house. And all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I've set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. And he clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. And he said to him, ride in the second chariot, which he had. And they cried out before him, bow the knee. So he set him over all the land of Egypt. There's both two different passages of Scripture regarding the same guy. But I want to show you there's a big difference, isn't there, to the first passage and the second passage, the first passage we read about, as I said, is just a teenage kid with not a huge amount of prospects. Nothing big upon his life, nothing special. Just a kid, a younger brother out in the field. The second passage we read about is the same kid in a different scenario, in a different setting. It's the same kid, but now this kid has become ruler over the land. He's someone given power. He's someone who's been given authority, the Bible says, over the land. I want to talk to you real quickly this morning for just a few minutes about the process of the promise. 
the process of the promise. See, at the start of this story, and we know it, if you know anything of the story of Joseph, what happens is, is Joseph is given through two dreams that Joseph has. He is given from God some promises for his life that he is going to be blessed. Despite his situation where he's at, he's just a punk 17-year-old kid ratting on his brothers. But God speaks out some promises through two prophetic dreams out over his life that he's no longer going to just be that little kid, that little younger brother that doesn't amount to anything. God speaks out some promises over his life that says, you know what, I've got something greater for your life. How many know that God has promises for each and every one of us? Despite where you are, despite how far from your promise you may feel you you are or your situation might be, the Bible is full of promises for your life. But how many know that sometimes we can get lost in the process of the promise, can't we? If we're going to be real honest, sometimes when we talk about it and sometimes we talk about the great things that God has for us, the blessing and the prosperity that He has for your business is something that if you're a businessman or woman here, you receive that and and you, you amen that and you think that is awesome. But how many know on the journey to seeing that business blessed, how many know that there is a process on the way to the promise that can sometimes be difficult to walk through, can't it? Sometimes we can get lost in the process on the way to the promise. If God has declared and you've received that blessing over your life, that by His stripes you are healed and you receive that as a promise, but there's a doctor's report on the way to the process as a part of the process on the way to the promise, that it's, It can be a difficult journey, the process to the promise, can't it, church? Come on, how many know that sometimes, I know for my life, sometimes the promise can get blurred in the process, can't it? Sometimes you get pumped and you get excited. Man, I remember when you you first get saved, think about that moment you first made a decision for Jesus. Man, and the preacher said, come down the front. And they said, your past is behind you. And you're like, awesome. I love that. Get rid of my past. Great things in front of me and blessing. And God's got called me to be the head and not the tail. And you walk out of church pumped and excited and ready to go. But then all of a sudden you begin the journey of the process to the promise. It can be difficult. We can, during the, during the process to the promise, that's the time where we sometimes, I think we find ourselves as Christians second guessing the promise. Starting to look at everyone else, perhaps walking in the promise that you're believing for and you start on the process, you start thinking, well, maybe, maybe that promise was not for me. Maybe I, maybe I didn't dream, maybe I dreamed something different. Maybe if you're a single person here and you're believing that God has that spouse for you and you're on the way, but then all of a sudden it doesn't work out how you thought it was going to work out and, and the years start to add up after a while and loneliness sets in and you start to second guess the promise. And you start to think, well, maybe it's not going to, Maybe it's not going to eventuate to what I thought it was going to eventuate. Maybe, 
Maybe God's, maybe God's not going to restore my family. Maybe God's not going to bless the business. Maybe God's not going to heal me. Maybe God's not going to set me free of that addiction. Maybe God's not going to... We start to second guess the promise simply because the process worked out different to how we thought. If anyone had a reason to second guess the promise, it was Joseph. If you know the story of Joseph, one of the things that I love about Joseph in the story is Joseph is, is, is one of those people that he's been preached about quite a lot and we've heard different sermons on it. And one of the, the thoughts, if you like, that, that I think is actually a powerful thought in regard to Joseph is the fact that when Joseph received the dream, when Joseph, when God spoke that promise through those prophetic dreams over Joseph's life, Joseph then went and he shared that with his brothers. And you've probably heard it preached before that you need to be careful who you share your dreams with. That not everybody's going to get on board with what you're called to do. That sometimes your dreams are so big that they intimidate the people that are around you. And the people that you're looking for to stir you in your dream are the people that sometimes pull you down. And there's merit to that. That's a, that's a powerful thought. And I think there's something we can learn from that. But I want to take a different angle this morning, uh, the, the, tonight in regard to Joseph. Because one of the things that I like about Joseph is the fact that Joseph was somebody that grabbed a hold of the dream so tight and believed it so much that he didn't even think about who he was going to share it with. He was just so excited about what God had called him to. He wasn't worried about sharing it with his brothers, whether they were going to receive it or not. The dream that God had declared over his life was so much so stirring in his heart that he just had to share it with somebody. I like that about Joseph. As I was looking at this story and looking at this sermon, I started thinking and I started thinking about those different nature shows. Do you ever watch nature shows? I'm someone that like, I actually like to watch I know it's a little bit girly, but just roll with me. I like to watch, you know, the nature shows. You ever watch those shows when it's called When Nature Attacks? Do you ever watch those? Any of those weird people you like watching another animal get beat up by? You know what I'm talking about? You ever watch it where the, where the, where the tiger or the lion is chasing down the herd of like antelope or whatever it might be or deer? You know what I'm talking about? And you're watching that show. Do you ever root for the deer? If you're like me, you know, this little dude, he's just sort of chilling with his buddies. And then that line comes out and you're watching it. And then as you're watching it, I sort of start, I get up out of my seat. I'm like, come on, buddy, you got this. Come on, man. And you start, you know, you, you sort of get a heart for the little guy. And you think, come on, bro, you got this. And then you sort of forget that the show is called When Nature Attacks, not When Nature Gets Away, you know. And then eventually they get him. Dude just gets tore apart and you're like, oh, gee. <laughs> Sorry about that, bro. I was watching these nature shows. I was even, I was looking at them last night just on YouTube, some of these different different shows that they'll, they'll get these cameras and they'll get so up close to like these animals. And, and, and I was actually looking at the stages of progression that actually turn an egg, a caterpillar, for an egg to a caterpillar to a butterfly. And we know, we know you've probably seen those different shows before. Do you know that it says that a butterfly egg is something that is unseen to the naked eye? It's so small. 
And what will happen is the female butterfly will plant these eggs onto a leaf or, or onto a part of a tree or a branch somewhere. But it says that what she will do is she will plant those eggs and not all of the eggs will attach or not all of the eggs will grip onto the, uh, the surface wherever she's planted it. Some of them will actually fall and get trampled and get destroyed. But it says that the, where those eggs are able to attach and able to grab, those will be the eggs that as they grow, they'll eventually become that caterpillar and then become through the process that butterfly. And I started looking and I was, as I was looking at that, I started thinking about how we have to have a heart that grabs a hold of the promises of God for our life. That's what I love about Joseph. Joseph was one of these people that... I mean, this dude was, he was crazy. He just, he just, when he heard the promise of God for his life, he was crazy enough to believe it. He didn't care what other people said about him. He didn't care his brother's response. He didn't care how crazy that it looked at him being in a land where his father is a stranger, that somehow God would position him to become the ruler over that land and have authority over that land. It didn't make sense. But he was someone that was crazy enough to just believe that God was going to do something powerful through his life. There's something of that that I think we can learn tonight and apply to our life. Do you have a heart that grabs a hold of the things of God tight? Do you have a heart that when you read the things in the Word of God, that you're crazy enough to believe that this Word is a Word that is not just words on a page that is written for you in this time, in this season, prophetically as a promise for your life? Are you crazy enough to get that Word of God and to just not see it as just a random Scripture, but you grab a hold of it and grip onto it with all your heart? Do you have those promises for your life that you're taking hold of and saying, you know what, everyone else can just read it if they want and, and just quote it randomly if they want, but I'm grabbing a hold of it for my life. Joseph grabbed a hold of the promises of God. You know the story. He walks up to his brothers. Dude's like this punk kid. He walks up to his younger brothers. I love how he's so, it's almost like he's so innocent in it. He doesn't know that, that he can't work out why they wouldn't celebrate it. He has this dream. He walks up to his brothers. He's like, boys, come around. Listen, I had this dream last night. It was awesome. I always had this dream that I was the man and all you guys were bowing down to me. He tells them this. I love this dude. And then they're all like, what? Whatever, bro. Are you for real? We're not going to bow down to you. So he goes back. He goes home. Dude goes to sleep, has another dream. But he doesn't learn the first time. He wakes up, he gets those same brothers. He's like, boys, I had another dream last night. This one was next level. Not only you guys were bowing down, but the whole, everybody, the moon, the stars, everything in this place bowed down to me. And he couldn't work out why they were so upset with him. I mean, I, I, part of me looks at that, I'm like, I like this guy. I like how crazy he is. I like, when was the last time you looked at the Word of God and went up to someone and said, Man, have you seen what this book says about me? 
you better watch this space, bro, because this book's telling me something that I'm going to do some things for the kingdom of God. You better watch me. I know I don't look like much, but this book tells me that I'm about to be blessed. This book tells me that I'm called to be the head and not the tail. This book tells me that God's going before me. He's making a way where there seems to be no way. Have you read about me? You need to get in here and see what I'm about to do. When was the last time you looked at the Word of God and grabbed those promises and said, you know what? I'm going to start to believe this thing. I'm going to start to declare this thing. What happens is I think we find it so hard to grab a hold of the promises of God because when we hear them first, we filter them through our own fears or our own insecurities or our own inability to do what God is calling us to do. How many know that God can declare a promise over your life that you're called to be blessed? But then that insecurity comes in. And the enemy says, blessed? Are you for real? How's God going to bless you? How's God going to bless that business? You don't even know what you're doing. You don't have the right funds. You don't have the right investors. You don't have the right staff. And then what happens is you filter The promise of God through all of your situation, all of your challenges, all of your insecurities, all of your fears, and you end up accepting a watered down version of the promise of God. I want to stir your heart tonight. And I want to say, be someone that's radical enough and crazy enough to just take the word at its word and say, you know what? I'm not even going to. It doesn't make sense. For me, for my life, it doesn't make sense that God would choose me to do something great through me. It doesn't fit with who I am or where I grew up or my gifting or my ability or my finances. But that's one of the great things about the promises of God. You serve a God who has a history of taking people that came from nothing, that didn't have the ability, that didn't have the gifting, that didn't grow up on the right side of town and touching them and doing something supernatural with them because that way God gets the glory and we don't. If no one's going to get excited in here tonight, I'll get excited about that because I know that that's what God did for me and I get excited when I talk about the things of God. Grab a, You just grab a hold of it. I remember being a young guy in church. I remember coming fresh off the building site. I was working on construction site and digging sewer trenches. And God grabbed a hold of me and did something in my life. My first job out of high school, I was 19 digging sewer trenches with a shovel. And, and I was down in these trenches digging and, and I had a drinking problem. And, and I was running crazy and just being an idiot. And then I remember getting, I remember getting in church. And I remember hearing a preacher preach that your past is behind you, that greatness is in front of you. I remember hearing a preacher preach about the blood of Jesus that'll set you free from addiction and set you free from what. And I remember standing there and I remember thinking, man, I'm, I, I reckon I'm going to believe this. It was crazy and didn't make sense to people around me. But I felt like something was stirring. It was like this word was written directly for me at that time. And I said, you know what? I know it doesn't look like I can do much. I know it doesn't look like I have all of the gifting and ability. I know it doesn't look like, I don't know how God's going to do it. But I felt God stirring in my heart that He had called me to greatness. And I was crazy enough and faith-filled enough to just grab a hold of it and run with it. Run with the promises of God. And watch what God will do in your life. 
It's a heart. It's having that heart that will grab a hold of it. The Bible says that when his brothers, Joseph's brothers, were out in the field and they're walking in the field. And, and the Bible says that Joseph's father said to him, I want you to go out and I want you to go and send a message. Go find your brothers. Find where they are. And so this is what he did. So Joseph goes, goes chasing after his brothers. And the Bible says in chapter, in chapter 37, I think verse, verse 17 or 18, it says that his brothers... It says they saw Joseph coming and they looked at Joseph and they said to each other, the Bible says, look, here comes the dreamer. They called him the dreamer. They said, look at this, here comes the dreamer. They didn't say, here comes our brother. They didn't say, here comes Joseph. They were, they were talking down to him. They were calling him a name. But what they were doing was this shows us what their issue with Joseph was. See, they were not worried. They were not intimidated by Joseph the man. They were not intimidated by Joseph the brother. What they did not like was not who Joseph was, but they did not like what was in him. They did not like the promise that was in Joseph. You feel like the enemy sometimes coming against you. You feel like the enemy sometimes coming against your business, coming against your family, coming against your marriage. You need to get excited because the enemy is coming after you, not because of who you are. It's not as personal as that. He just hates what's in you. He hates what you're called to do. He hates the promises of God that are stirring in your heart and he wants to shut down what you are called to do. You need to get excited when the enemy comes against you. You need to take it as a compliment. The enemy only fights those things that are of greatest threat to him. And if you grab a hold of the promises of God, I want to tell you, you're a threat to hell. When you make a decision, I'm going after the things of God. I'm going to get excited about the promises of God. I'm going to grab a hold of what I believe God is calling me to, and I'm going to run with it. If you look at that, that process after that, that butterfly lays that, that tiny little egg, it says that what happens is that as the egg, it begins to grow. And with the first stage after that egg stage is the egg then produces a, a caterpillar. And it says that once the caterpillar breaks out, what the caterpillar does and the whole time it's in that caterpillar stage, is the caterpillar just simply eats. He eats and he eats and he eats. I want to tell you the level of the promise you walk in tomorrow is determined by what you consume today. The level of the promise that you will walk in tomorrow is determined by what you consume today. You've got to eat up. This word of God. If you want to, if you want to walk in the promises that God has declared over your life, you got to feed them with the right things. You got to make a decision that I'm going to grow what is in me. Caressa, my wife and I, we're counting down the days right now. We're five, five and a bit weeks until we have our first baby. We've got a little boy coming and we're, um, we're excited and, uh, 
It's so cool. This this little dude is like, I mean, he is like punching out of there, and he's he, you can you can feel him. Like now, I'll push on on Chris's stomach, and I'll you can feel like different limbs and that, and 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 you'll push. And 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 the nurse was saying often when you have like she was saying when you have like a, a kid, you can and you push against him. Normally, they'll sort of pull back, but she said, "What's well, funny with him when when you push against him?" She said, "He just gives you one straight back." I was like, "Yeah, that's my boy." I'm, Dude's coming out boxing already. He's ready to roll. But, but, but the thing about my wife being pregnant is when my wife, when my wife got pregnant, she, she went past that, <clears throat> past that stage of, of that first trimester. She got quite sick. Then after the first trimester, she then went from being really sick to being really hungry. And then my wife is, is you know, she, she likes to sort of try and eat good and things like that. But, but bro, like when, when she got pregnant, it did. I'm um, praise God she's not here tonight because how many know I get in trouble? But but she she didn't. She wasn't really worried about what she was eating. She just needed to eat. All the pregnant women said, "Amen." You know what I'm talking about. And so we went to the doctor. and We're talking to the doctor, and the, and 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 the doctor said, "Listen, you you because Caress and my wife says to the doctor, listen, I I'm so hungry. I I feel like I could eat. Like I just could, could don't want to stop eating.'" And the doctor said, no, you need to eat. You need to actually keep eating. So she was happy to hear that. So she just kept eating. And, and man, like it was, it was getting crazy. Like, like she was really eating. She texted me one time. She's like, I need you to go to the, the grocery store. I need you to get me cereal. I said, cereal? We, we don't normally eat cereal. She goes, I need you to go. I need you to get me a specific sort. Of cereal. I said, well, what do you want? She types it. She's like, Captain Crunch. I said, Captain who? She said, Captain Crunch. Then she wanted, I forget the other one, the little round ones. And all of this other stuff. You'll have so much cereal here. I went down to the grocery store. Oh my Lord. I walked in there. The cereal aisle, you could fit a whole Australian grocery store in the cereal aisle of an American grocery store. I'm standing there, I'm looking for all of this stuff. And then I find this box, a Captain Crunch, and it has like a picture of the cereal on there. And it's got like bright, I tell, called my wife, I'm like, baby, this has like iridescent pink and green things in it. Like how good can this be for you? Listen, let me tell you something. Don't argue with a pregnant I mean, you just signed your own death warrant, bro. Like, I'm like, hey, listen, just, hey, hey, I'm just saying, like, eat what you want. But what is happening is she is feeding what is in her. I want to tell you that when you start grabbing a hold of the promises of God, that's, and you want to start seeing those promises start to come into fruition in your life. You got to feed that thing. You got to feed it with the Word of God. You got to feed it with prayer. You got to devour the things of God because it's not about you. It's about you growing what is in you. You've got to make a decision to say, you know what, I'm going to feed, I'm going to grow what is in me. The other thing about this, this stage, it says that the caterpillar is actually born, watch this, with six pairs of legs. 
Six pairs of legs, but it does not, during this stage, it does not use, it cannot use five of those sets of legs. It only uses the front set of legs. You didn't know you were going to learn about caterpillars tonight, did you? It only uses those front sets of legs. I think this represents to us that stage in the process on our way to the promise where we feel like there's so much more in us. Where we feel like, man, I feel like I've got so much more. I feel like there's so much more gifting. I feel like there's so much more ability. I feel like there's so much more anointing. But all I seem to have is just these two sets of legs. And I want to tell you in this process, you know what you need to do? There's a principle in the Bible and Scripture says this, that you need to be faithful with the little. And if you're faithful with the little, then God will give you the much. And I want to tell you, don't get frustrated because you feel like there's more in you and you've got more gifting and you've got more ability than you're walking in. Whatever God has put in front of you right there, I want to tell you, use what you have and be faithful with what you have and God will release. If you're faithful with the little, God will release the march. So the business, it may, the business may not be what you want it to be just yet. Maybe it isn't the size that you wanted it to be. And maybe it isn't, it isn't, you're not seeing the fullness of the promise yet. But what has He given you now? And be faithful with what God has given you now. And just faithfully pray over the business that you have. Maybe you don't have the staff that you're believing for. Faithfully pray and declare the things of God over what you have. Maybe you're a single person and you're believing that God's going to bring that right person along. You're believing that that right spouse is there for you. You know what? Handle and manage your singleness well. Be the greatest single person you can possibly be. Don't be running around trying to date everything on two legs. Make a decision to say, you know what? I'm going to focus on the things of God. I'm not going to go from date to date and and run around getting crazy. I'm just going to seek first the kingdom of God and all of these other things will be added unto me. I'm believing God's going to bring the right person. But between now and then, I'm just going to be faithful, faithful with what God has given me. It's a challenging thought. We need to make that decision to say, you know what, whatever God has put in our hand, whatever God has given me, I'm going to do it or do it to the best of my ability. Do it with all of my might and be faithful. And it's just, it's a season. God does everything in seasons. Look at how God did creation. God could have come down. He is God. He's the creator of heavens and earth. He could have come down and said, let there be everything. Wouldn't that have been a lot more quicker? Come on, if I was God, if I was God, that would be how I would do it. I would, I would work one day and rest six. Come on, praise Jesus. I'd be like, like, why waste the time, man? Like, just be like, let there be everything. And then be like, job done. Hey, just chill. But he didn't do that. God comes down and day one, he does what he wants to do on day one. And then he stops because that's all he wanted to do in that season. And then day two, he does what he wants to do on day two. And that's all he wants to do there. And then day three, because each season builds on the next season. Where has God got you right now? And don't rush what you're trying, because you want to get there. Say, God, I want to get everything I possibly can out of where you've got me now. Because if you do that, then you grow to be the person God wants you to be, to step in the next season that God has for you. And what you learned back there will set you up to what God has for you here. Faithful with a little, faith with much. Are you still with me?
You sure? Nudge your neighbor so they don't fall asleep. We're about to finish, I promise. The last stage when you look at it, and our kids can come, I'm going to finish it. Keyboard makes us sound, feel a bit more spiritual, doesn't it? We're going to, the last, the last, the last stage it says in this, in this little, little butterfly thing we're doing here is it says that once, once the caterpillar has grown and the caterpillar has fed itself, it says that the caterpillar then gets into, in fact, he sows its own cocoon. Remember the story of Joseph. Joseph got sold into slavery. Then Joseph is falsely accused. Remember the story? He goes into the palace and his oversight, dude, the, the dude's oversight wife has a hots for him. Remember this? That's a crazy story. She, she, she like, she comes on to him. Dude gets falsely accused, put in prison in a dark place. It's like this, it's this cocoon season. But what happens in the story when Joseph is in the prison, he meets these two other guys. He meets a butler and he meets a baker. And the Bible says that both the butler and the baker, they tell Joseph of a dream that they had. And Joseph interprets the dream for both of them. The butler had a dream and he says to the butler that you're you're going to come before the king and the king is going to raise you up. And then he interprets the baker's dream and his dream's not so good. And, and Joseph says to the baker, well, in three days, the king's, kid, the king's going to cut your head off. And, and so he finishes talking with him because there's nothing more to say at that point. And so the, the, butler, the butler ends up getting released and goes before the king. This, this conversation happened in the prison. Conversation happened in the dark place. But because of what Joseph operated in, in the dark place, if you know the story, the butler, when the butler went before the king, it says the butler remembered Joseph and told the king about Joseph. Told the king about what Joseph had done for him in the prison. What Joseph had done for him in the dark place. I want to tell you what you do in the dark matters. What you do when no one is around matters. Because what Joseph did in the dark set him up to be set up with the king in the light. They say that in that cocoon stage, when the butterfly is in the cocoon stage, it says that the cocoon is actually made of silk that comes out of the caterpillar's mouth. Your words have power. The Bible says that the power of life and death are in the tongue. So when you're in the dark place, you make a decision what you're going to surround yourself with. When you're waiting and you're believing for the promise to happen, Man, you've been wrestling with God and you're believing for that right person to come along. That spouse, that lifelong partner that's going to stand with you. I want to tell you, you need to create the right world around you through what you declare out of your mouth. You need to make that decision. You need to shut down any negative talk. 
When you're believing for that business, you need to start to create a world around you that just knows how to only declare great things out over your situation. When you're believing for your family, you're believing for that marriage to be turned around. You have your words create your world. So you have an opportunity to declare greatness, to surround yourself with greatness, to declare good things, to declare the promises of God over your life. The other thing that happens, and I'm about to close, in that cocoon stage is they say that you cannot, if you, if you rip open, if you tear open a cocoon before that process is finished, the butterfly won't have the strength in its wings yet to properly fly. Because what the butterfly is doing, the butterfly is in the dark, wrapped in a cocoon. But they say as its wings grow, as small as they are, and even though they're still growing, what the butterfly is actually doing is the butterfly is starting to flap. He's starting to work his wings. And what he does is he works his wings against the walls of the cocoon. And when he does that, his wings are getting, that's how his wings get strengthened. Listen, I felt like when I was looking at this, I felt like God told me to come and tell you tonight that faith is not asking God to get you out. Faith is knowing what it is to work your wings while you are still in. So when you're in that situation that you want God to work out, that you're believing for God to do something greater, I want to tell you, don't get frustrated. Don't try and push your way out and break your way out of there and force it. Just stay where you are and just start working your wings. Just start reading the Word. Just start declaring the Word of God over your situation. Just start speaking, right? Just start praying more. And the more you work your wings, the stronger you're becoming. And when that season shifts and God decides it's time for you to come out, you're going to be as strong as you need to be in order to walk in the promise that God has for your life. But you've got to make a decision that I'm going to work my wings in the dark. Doesn't feel right. Doesn't make sense. Just do it now. Just come on, just nudge your neighbor a little bit. Just come on, just say, don't mind me. Don't mind me. Just working my wings. I'm just working my wings. I know it's hard. I know you got things going on in the business. I know you're waiting for that person to come along. Just, just work your wings. Just start to pray. Start to declare things. You may not be walking in it yet. You might not be ready to fly yet. But in the meantime, just start to, start to work those wings. He's making that decision in the process on the way to the promise. That you're not going to grow weary. The Bible says don't grow weary in well-doing. Just work your wings. That end bit was me. The first bit was Bible. In case some of you are looking for wings in your concordance. God's got great things for you. You believe that for your life? Come on, God's got great things for you. Let's stand to our feet right across this room before we close. 
Come on, you learned something about caterpillars you didn't know. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what situation you're facing. But I know that God is bigger. And I know that God has declared promises. This word is full of promises for your life. What's He say? I know what the situation is. I know what it might look like. But what does God say? What does God say about your marriage? What God has pulled together, let no man tear apart. What does God say about your business? What's God say about your kids? What's God say about your life? Get the Word of God in front of you. Set that as the benchmark and say, you know what? That's what I'm going for. And I see it and receive it as a promise. But I'm not going to allow myself to get lost in the process. It's just the process on the way to the promise. Right across this room with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here in this place. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.